everyone, and welcome back to the Film Score Podcast. Today I actually have my first non-film composer guest on. I'll be talking with Matt Sullivan, who's actually a music supervisor and music producer on films such as Chicago, Rent, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and the brand new West Side Story, as well as the upcoming Disenchanted and Pinocchio films. So we spend most of our time talking about what that role entails. It's actually, I think, the first question I ask Matt. And then going into his work on West Side Story, particularly working alongside Steven Spielberg. Unfortunately, you will hear him mention also working with John Williams. And for whatever reason, I didn't ask about that. Terrible mistake, I know. I was in a bit of a frazzle right before the interview, and somehow my brain just turned off when he said that. So, I'll have to get the inside scoop another time. But this was a good interview. It's always nice being taken to the deep waters and getting out of my element and learning more than I normally do every time I talk to one of these experts. So, I hope you learn a little bit, too. As always, you can find more out about Matt on his website or social media. And, of course, you can do the same for me. If you've been enjoying the shows so far, and I hate to say that the ending of Season 2 is somewhere in sight, although I haven't figured out exactly when, please do leave a rating or review on whatever your favorite podcast listening service is. It's always appreciated. It's nice to see them. Now then, sit back, and I hope you enjoy. Matt, I'm so glad you could join me today. How have you been? I've been uh, I've been great. We had a good night last night at the Golden Globes, and pretty thrilled and excited about that. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I think the movie took home three awards and I don't know how many nominations, but I actually saw it yesterday morning. So it it made all those wins even better because I was like, crap, that was that was a great movie, great experience. So I I thought it was all well deserved. Great, thank you. Yeah, and so obviously we're talking about West Side Story. You were involved as the uh, executive music producer. And so a lot of my coverage is uh, more about film composers, some orchestrators. So not everyone listening might fully know what a music producer does. So would you mind giving us the 30,000 foot view and then we'll we'll dig into it a little more? I have a very unique role in film, um, especially since back in uh, 2002, I my first experience on a big musical was Chicago. And ever since then, I kind of developed this role uh, for myself. It's kind of like filling in different you know, pieces that really needed to be done on, on the in pre-production and on the film set. So my overall view is I start with helping out with the casting, who can perform the part, working with the director and the casting director on that, and then guiding the actors through rehearsals, through pre-records, through being on set for what I call like performance, you know, working with them with lip sync or or live singing, which we do more and more. And then through post-production, uh, working with composers, uh, music editors. Uh, I do a lot of vocal work myself and Pro Tools and just to oversee the uh, whole post-production process and mixing, a lot of mixing. Wow. So yeah, that that's such a absurd amount of tasks going on. I know on, on this, it was basically since, well, not the literal inception, since this is West Side Story's been around for 60 plus years, but I know that you were interested in the project since you first heard about it, I think around five years ago. Yeah. 
Yes. It's, you know, I always keep an eye out uh, for what's happening in the industry. And uh, as soon as I heard about it, you know, I chased it down and I really, really wanted to be a part of it. Being part of a Steven Spielberg film, probably being his first music supervisor, music producer that he's ever worked with. Uh, you know, his main guy is John Williams and have a chance yeah. to, you know, be in the room sitting with John Williams. So it was something that I wanted more than anything. <laughs> and and as you mentioned it, being probably his first experience with someone with your type of role, was there a bit of a, a learning curve between the two of you working together or was it pretty seamless? It, it felt seamless. It really did. You know, he's such a collaborator and he's such a giving, warm person. And our, from our first meeting, you know, he, of course, has done his research and he's like, well, I know I need this person. What does he do? So our first meeting was like, I know I need you, but just tell me why I need you. So I understand it. As, uh, so we're both on the same page. And I just had the chat it was pretty much what I said to you. My first talk with him, I said, look, you know, just like you have a visual effects supervisor on the film where, you know, you need to know what you can actually shoot and how you're going to shoot it and how you can incorporate visual effects. I'm there for the music. So anything that's done with music, we have to protect that. There's only so much music to shoot. There's, you know, so you have tempo and bars and beats. And, and so I'm there just to make sure when we're shooting, the film will cut together. The performance will look correct. The camera's moving with the music and everything feels completely seamless. So we were pretty much on the same page right from the beginning. And the second meeting was, okay, we're off and running. Here's how I want to do it. And then we just started going through each song. So how did, how did that process go of, of going through it song by song? I think, and I don't want to get any other directors upset at me, but, but, you know, just if you look at that, Steven, you know, all his interviews and his conversation with me is he got this record from the Broadway show when he was about 10 years old. And so he's been living with this music for a long time. So he knows it, he knows it inside and out. So our first meetings were, let's get right into it. And when he listened to that Broadway cast album he's a visual visual genius and he had these ideas of how he wanted to block and shoot these numbers and have them in where in the streets and so we got right into it and he had storyboards already created probably you know from the very very beginning and he started showing it to me and david newman who is our our score arranger helped us adapt the score from the broadway show into this new version and uh, we the three of us sat in a room and went song by song and, and, and beat by beat and looking through the storyboards. And eventually I just, you know, I asked Steven, I said, can I take the storyboards with an editor and start creating what we call animatics, which is you take the storyboards and you, you can slide the camera around and make it feel like there's motion, like the Photoshopping inside of, you can move characters and we cut the storyboards to the music. So when we showed up on set, every time that we started rolling cameras, I knew where the action had to begin where it had to end, had to make sure if the production designer that we had enough set, get the camera, you know, it's a crane camera. How much can we suck in the crane to get the action? That was my responsibility on the set. And it all stemmed from all of our work in pre-production. How long did the pre-production process go? Uh, with rehearsals and everything, for me, I would say it was about six or seven solid months like of actual real work. You know, we had prep, a little bit more prep, but getting into how it was going to be shot, rehearsals, vocal rehearsals, dance rehearsals. It was probably six or seven months before we started shooting. It seems like it paid off just because, well, obviously there are some more contained pieces. The opening prologue, for instance, is this sweeping six minute or so piece. And while it's not, you know, there's, there's music that I don't think there's um, 
you know, and he's singing, but it's still just this like wide ranging choreographed session going across this portion of the city that we find out the whole movie is going to take place in. Yeah, that was an interesting piece. It was probably one of the most, and I, I don't want to say difficult, but because it wasn't difficult, but challenging. It was one of the most challenging pieces because there is no singing. So therefore, you know, when you have singing, you can say he starts singing this line and then he ends on this line. So it's very simple, but it, there's the prologue music from the Broadway show that we we're grabbing from and a little bit, a little bit of what they did in 1961, but it was mostly from the Broadway show. So the shots that we're shooting, we had to time out and it was the most that I was on Pro Tools working in, in music editing and pre-production that piece together to the storyboards. And we had to, when we were, you know, just getting a truck going down the road with watermelons in it and then opening it up. It's like on paper, it's, it's, oh, we can do that in three seconds. But when you're actually shooting, it's like a little bit, it could be a little bit longer. So we had to really, when we were rehearsing all the bits and pieces with the stunt people and everything, we had to really time out and how much music we needed. Because in the end of the day, there's only so much prologue Bernstein music that we can draw from. And if we have 12 minutes of material, some of it's not going to make it in the film. But there's very little that we, I don't think we have really, I can't think of anything that we shot that didn't really make it into the prologue. It was very well planned out. Hmm. And actually on that point, because you're effectively working off of music that was written 65 years ago or so uh, you know there's i'm sure there's a certain latitude to change it and expand it or contract it or cut pieces or add it and you know working with david newman on it but how much of that was constricting what you were able to do as well it was actually we we worked very closely with the leonard bernstein organization and the gentleman there their musicologist garth uh, sunderland and the children of Ber leonard bernstein you know, we had conversations and formed very, very close relationships with Leonard Bernstein's children. And we wanted to respect completely what was written and the orchestrations and the arrangements. So we did that. And it wasn't a whole lot of um, changing it because also, also it's the score is beautifully written, beautifully orchestrated and arranged. So we did some tweaks to orchestration, very, very light. Sometimes if we needed an extra four bars of music, we drew upon what was there. So we uh, we stuck really closely to what was there. And for me, I feel like there's a modernization to the score, mainly because if you watch it in theaters, which is obviously the best place yeah. to watch it, and especially if you're watching, you know, we recorded in Atmos, for Atmos, or 7.1 or, or 5.1, because when you're in the theater, the modernization comes from the way we mixed it bringing Gustavo Dunamel in to record the New York Philharmonic and bringing his his interpretation with the conducting. And it's, there's this modernization also from the actors and these young people of today. You know, the average age of, I think it was, of our actors was like 22. And so the excitement and everything all comes from uh, from those different factors. And actually on that last point of talking with the cast that you're working with, you know, I think depending on the musical, I think it can go one way or the other of, of having a cast of far more well-known people or I'd say for the most part of West Side Story, the vast majority of the cast are people that your viewer isn't really going to be familiar with. Does that present any particular challenges or make things easier? Well, I can speak to my 
actually I can say lack of challenges, uh, you know, <laughs> because, uh, because it's the, the casting is, is something that from, for the most part, I've many times I'm involved in the casting process, but, uh, Steven brought in with Tony Kushner's writing partner, Janine Tesori, who's huge on Broadway, uh, composer in her, in her own right to help create this cast of a lot of Broadway and stage people. So they presented me with a cast that, just knew exactly how to perform this material and perform it to the best. I think that a lot of it has ever been done. And uh, my my job for this one was taking this young cast and guide them through the, the filmmaking process, how a film gets made, how we do it on a film set, making sure that all the performances feel as real as possible. So when you're watching it, you're not feeling like, oh, but did that, are they really singing or anything? It's for me, watching this movie is, you know, one of the best versions of it's seamless between dialogue and singing. It's, it just flows and, and you're completely hooked into the movie. But the cast is just overall, I mean, you know, quadruple threats. They're just every one. There's not a bad apple in the bunch. They're all just <laughs> fantastic. Well, I think that was one of the great joys for me is because I'm not a huge musical person. And yeah, watching it, you're right. It's seamless from your typical dramatic acting and dialogue to moving into these dance numbers and, and vocal performances. And it, it never feels like it's out of place or that, you know, there's a, a hard, abrupt break. But I guess, you know, one thing that you mentioned that was interesting is having to guide the cast in, you know, moving from Broadway and performing on stage to the filmmaking process and to make what they're doing come off as as believable and realistic to the extent that, you know, it can in a musical. So, I mean, what are some of the challenges that that presents and how do you guide the, the cast through that? I mean, it's a difficult answer to give because it's a natural process and it's, and so there's nothing where it's, you can't do this, you have to do this. Very small things like eyelines, you know, uh, giving a correct eyeline. And also when you're performing and, and singing, maybe some stage people feel they have to hit the back of the row. And that's something that we sometimes have to pull them back from, but it's, it's very, it's a very natural process. So it's nothing that kind of becomes very evident. We just do it. I don't, you know, I have no other, other way to say it. <laughs> oh, it's, that's fine. If that's, if that's what happens, that's what happens. Right. Yeah. I mean, and also like, you know, this, this musical, it's one of the best written musicals, the score is, you know, completely bombastic in the places where it needs to be. And then it's sweet and tender in the romance and then you have the beautiful lyrics of Stephen Sondheim, which drive the story, tell a story within the song. And so therefore, people that are non-musical fans, some of my friends uh, love this movie even more than most movies I've done because it is a well-constructed musical that goes from drama into singing seamlessly. And the songs are just, I mean, they're classic and they're, they're hooky and they're also classic at the same time. That must present its own challenge because I hadn't seen the 1961 version in quite a while. I remember watching it quite a few times when I was younger in music and choir classes. And so in my mind, I had a few songs that I remembered. And then watching the film, it was basically every song being like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. But I mean, that's got to have some pressure to it, adapting something that's so classic 60 years later, and then especially too, I can't remember exactly when, if it was, you know, right before the film's release of uh, Stephen Sondheim passing as well. It's just kind of a, a confluence of events. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, for me, for me, it's the pressure. I've been lucky enough in my career to be in the room for a lot of very incredible moments. Recording and I am telling you, Jennifer Hudson comes to mind and working with Beyonce on Dreamgirls and mm-hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis. Working, you know, meeting Daniel Day Lewis and working with him in the re, in the recording studio and on set, you know, one of their greatest living actors of our time. But you kind of, I don't know how I do it, but I just remove myself from that. <laughs> from that, you know, you have little moments where you go, pinch me. Wow, is this really happening? And then you just, it's about the work. And so a lot of it was that being in the room with John Williams and, and Stephen and going through talking through the film, how we're going to get these recordings done and, and what the process is and the workflow. I remove the pressure, take it out of my head because if, if you if you let it get to you, you're you're sunk in the water. But yeah, I just kind of just you just do the work and you do what's right for the movie. It's always about what's right for the movie and you concentrate on that. Did it ever get to you in your career? I mean, because you st- it's not like you started on a, a small picture. I mean, you know, you started 20 years ago in Chicago, which again, huge movie, tons of A-list talent throughout. Yeah. And no, I just, um, it's something for my career. I've been, I've been lucky and it's, it's something that I just really can't describe. It's, it's my job relies a lot on, uh, on personality and, and guiding a lot of people. When I work on a musical, it's a big chunk of the movies on my shoulders. And, uh, and if I think about that, you know, it's, it's like any other job, Yeah. you know, as any other job in, in, in that people do, if you look at your responsibilities each day and let them weigh on you, you can't get your job done the way to the best of your abilities. I'm sure that's part of how you develop yourself as a, a reliable person to work with. I mean, you know, recently working in uh, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast as well, basically getting every major musical under your belt. I guess it's totally right that you can't let it get to you, or at least show that it does, because you got to get you got to work. I was talking to Alan Mankin the other day, and he and I were just talking about. I'm working with him right now on a film called Disenchanted, which is the uh, sequel to mm-hmm. Enchanted. And uh, Alan and I have a great working relationship because he lets me take Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and these new songs for Enchanted, and kind of bring this what I call like a little bit more of a modernization and making it more accessible to people who may not like musicals, may, may, may not be their thing. And I help bring this new creative aspect to the songs, which aren't just for the musical people. And that seems to be something that I did unconsciously, but it's, it's my, I guess it's my reputation and uh, it's kept me working. And you mentioned it being unconscious. Is, does that ever come to the forefront of your mind as as your career has moved on of thinking, okay, how could we modernize these a little bit for the current audience versus the audience that existed when, let's say, when A Ladder, Beauty and the Beast or West Side Story first came out? Well, when like you take the Beauty and the Beast in the original, and it is a Broadway score set to a animation film. And when you bring it to live action, you don't have that fantasy world of animation and you have a real live living person playing Belle. Emma Watson and I talked a lot about who she was. So when I called it with her, the bluebird factor, if when the animated would put her hand out and the bluebird would land on her finger and she would sing to it and the music accented those moments. And what I did was I tweaked those moments. So therefore it was more about hers as a living person who had these emotions and, and this aspect 
in life and her and what her goals were. And then on Aladdin, we went through a few people casting here and there. Uh, when we landed on like Will Smith and Naomi Scott and and these people, as soon as like as soon as Will's hired, I'm like, uh, I I know what we're doing. A friend like me, I mean, I know I know where we're going with that. So many influences came in. And I just knew that we're going to go for, you know, bring in some, you know, old school hip hop drums and, and give Will a chance. You know, we had a section of music created, uh, my arranger and I, Chris Benstead, we created the, the you know, mu- music track. And then we had this little bridge and we're like, here's this. And it was just like a little bit of a beat. He's like, what do you want to do here? And I, you know, I had a little microphone right there. And I just said, <laughs> what do you want to do? He goes, let's beatbox. I'm like, let's do it. Each film brings its own natural ideas of what you want to do to the music to make it work with these actors and their aspects. And also that helps with the audience. Interesting. I mean, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It has to be a, a film by film determination. And I think that's just kind of really cool. It's not exactly doing it on the fly, but kind of ensuring that everything can have its own unique aspects that will make it stand out both from films coming out, but also from the prior version, if one exists. And you'd, you'd mentioned uh, working on Disenchanted. Is there anything that you can tell us about that project right now? I know it's still a, a little ways out. Yeah, we're in post-production. Um, it'll be out uh, a little bit less than a year, next third quarter next year. It's Alan Menken, uh, music, uh, lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. When they t- those two get together, it's it's all magic. We have brilliant, brilliant songs, uh, just incredible, incredible new, all new original songs. The cast is back. Amy, Amy Adams is back singing like a champion like she does. Adina Menzel is back. She might, she might do a little bit of singing, be a little, <laughs> little surprise for people. Uh, she didn't sing in the original. Oh, wow. I guess I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. It's been a while since I've seen Enchanted. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and James Marsden is back. Love James. I uh, did Hairspray with him. He's a good friend. I love him. And uh, yeah, the cast is back and it's uh, really fun. Uh, we're, you know, we're right in the middle of post, so we're still pulling it together. Awesome. I'm not sure if I mentioned Pasture Dempty is back as well. And, and also a little surprise, little, could be some surprises in store with him too. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And Matt, I, I did want to circle all the way back and talk about how you came into this role, how you created it, how your work pre-Chicago kind of led you into this. Yeah, I was, I'm a person who got super lucky in life, and I, I landed a job and a career that I believed that I was meant to do. I moved to L.A. in uh, 1999 to be an actor or something creative. I yeah. moved from New York City and I was like, I want to do something creative. I didn't know what it would be, but I, but I thought acting would be my way in. So I came there doing some acting, did a lot of classes. I, I, I did a lot of any work that I could find. I treated it as, as a business and every day I woke up. And, and if someone offered me to be on the set to do anything, I, I was there. And then I uh, met Randy Spenlove, who was the head of music at Miramax. He was strangely my landlord and then uh <laughs> and then one, one of my cousins married a brother of maureen crow who is a music supervisor who did bodyguard all i wanted to do is introduce the two of those guys together because i thought let's help friends and i hadn't really met maureen before and i was like well, you know i want to help people and when i introduced them they just said well you're a music i grew up being a musician i played piano since i was nine years old and they're like well you're a musician and you, you want to get into something want you know Maureen's like, why don't you come work for me? I was like, great, let's do it. 
and, you know, started off organizing CDs and answering phones for, you know, about nine, nine months or so. And then I saw that uh, some films, I always kept out for what films were happening. And, uh, and I, I saw Chicago was being made. And I was like, Maureen would be perfect for that because she did Bodyguard and she's a fantastic music supervisor. We chased it down and the two of us got Chicago. And I was on set every day of Chicago and I worked with Rob Marshall. And I just remember one thing that happened on the set of Chicago where something happened with the music that it was wrong, it was incorrect. And I quickly... I uh, was in Pro Tools and I said, well, what if we do this? We cut this, do this and this. And in about 10 minutes or so, we, uh, we, I fixed it. And Rob Marshall, who was directing it, looked at me and said, don't ever question yourself. You know what you're doing. This is your job. I said, okay, great. And from that point forward, I just said, okay, let's, this is my job. This is my career. So the, that was like a lot of on-set work and post-production. But as I went through the years and doing films, my next Rob Marshall film was... Um, Rent and a couple other ones. And then nine I did in 2009. So the 2002 was Chicago. 2009 was the movie nine. And when I went to go work with Rob again, Rob is like, it's going to be you and me. We're doing the music together. We're recording the vocals, producing the vocals together. And so at that point, I became a music producer. And as I just keep going on and on and through my career, I'm just learning from the greats, great orchestrators, great arrangers. So I get involved in, in arrangements. I think before nine, yeah, before nine actually was uh, was Dream Girls, where Randy Spenlove and I both worked together on, and uh, we were producing the music, producing the vocals, arranging, doing all the arrangements, and I just on the job learning. My music talents growing up, and I think my acting history kind of helped me work with actors, work with musicians, be on set, uh, work in Pro Tools, work in Logic, and just kind of. It's all the right skills for, for the position I'm in. Considering that the job was basically created on set, it, it's really interesting how, you know, how much of it it sounds like it's taking your skills and then just requiring you to, when faced with a, a problem or a situation or a new set of responsibilities, to then be like, what do I need to learn? How am I going to tackle this? And then just going. The job is the job and it expands. And you have a lot more responsibility. I did as I, from Chicago to now, I have a lot more responsibility on my shoulders, but the job really doesn't change heck of a lot because mm-hmm. on the set of West Side Story, we're in the quintet where Riff goes past the church and he says, tonight, and we, the camera, we, you know, I work with the camera swing up where it's a da-da-ding and we go to the church and there's, uh, there's Anita sitting in the church, starts to sing, but we needed more time to get the camera to be in the church and creep down towards her. But it was literally like in seconds, it was seconds later that she started singing. Stephen's like, oh no, 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 I need more time. So we went off to the side, sat in Pro Tools. I'm like, how am I going to make more time? It's, it's, it's kind of like, how do I create time without writing more music? And uh, in Pro Tools, after about 10 minutes, I just took a piece of music from the beginning, slid it in. There's a little saxophone lick and put that in a different spot. And then she started singing. I can't remember the exact amount of measures later. We rehearsed the camera and Steven just looked at me and started giving me a, like excitement. I was like, great. You know, so it's the same thing as on the set of Chicago. I helped Rob in that and he helped it. So the job doesn't change terribly much. But it's a lot of fun. I find that aspect of the musical so fascinating. I mean, any any film already is a million different moving pieces that seems like a miracle that it gets created at all. And then when you, you take the musical and it just adds so many more elements that when you really start thinking about it, it's like, how does this all work together? And it's moments like that. 
Yeah. Planning and being ready. It's always just being, you know, having the skills and being ready. That's, uh, that's luck as well, right? Just being prepared when opportunity presents itself. And it's been my uh, mantra in life. Be ready and be prepared. <laughs> and I guess, you know, probably looking at, at your career and zooming back even further, the musical has been kind of one of the, the foundations of film for the last, you know, since it's almost its inception. Going back, films grown from opera. What do you think it is about the musical that drives people to watch and that gets us so fascinated? You know, it's, 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 it's a really hard, hard question because it, it is a divisive uh, genre, I think. It's something that where I feel like I get hired because I'm able to help hopefully bridge that gap and make it more accessible to people mm -hmm. through my musical likes and sensibilities. I definitely make movies for what I would want to see. And I do think about what the audience would want to see, but music and film go together. I mean, just, you just say the words, you know, music and film, it's, they just go together. And, you know, Hans Zimmer is a great composer and Leonard Bernstein is a great composer and they do these beautiful scores and people, people nowadays know, know these wonderful, you know, Harry Gregson Williams, all, all these, you know, Tom Newman. And so music goes with film and it's introducing the, the singing aspect which is which throws people and what yeah. we need to do is make that more accessible less abrupt to the watcher of the film and that's what i really strive for in my movies to make it feel as natural as possible and feels that an extension of a scene as much as possible the great directors do it with the camera do it with sets and and editing so it's a big collaborative process but that's, I think that's the main thing is just getting people to feel the switch from singing, uh, from dialogue into the singing. That's a big thing uh, that will help the audience. Yeah. I mean, and, and we talked about it before. I think that's what works so well in West Side Story. I mean, I'm uh, admittedly not the biggest musical guy, but seeing that in theaters on the big screen, I mean, it's, it's such an immersive developing experience. And a lot of people have already seen it. I hope more people do because... It's a hell of a movie. I hope you know, safely go to the theater, but it is a film that every frame of the visual is a painting. It's beautiful. And, and uh, Janus, our DP, did a, just an, an incredible job. And I don't think when you see the, you know, I have a big TV and a big theater at home, but when I see the, uh, the images and the trailers at home, I know in my head from being in the theater, seeing it quite a few times, it's just gorgeous up on the screen yeah. and it sounds incredible on the screen sean murphy who is our uh you know your score podcast we can't go without mentioning sean <laughs> murphy who engine recorded and mixed the uh the, the new york phil we did a little bit of la phil because of the covid uh, yeah. of it all we shot the movie in 2019 pre-covid and we were post-production during covid just incredible you know john williams guy and just everyone he's the great sean murphy and david channing who was our uh, score and song editor and eric who works with the two of them did an incredible job so when you're in the theater especially atmos like i said before and just surround you're hearing this score like you've never heard it before. It's an immersive, you're sitting in the middle of the New York Philharmonic with these beautiful images and exciting dramatic images happening in front of you. So it's a beautiful experience. It absolutely is. And, you know, I, I can't stress enough. I was just 
so blown away by the whole thing. And it's it's that combination of everything that you sit back. Luckily, I, I had a, a reclining chair so I could lean <laughs> myself even further yeah. and just let it all wash over me. Great, great. But I think I think that's a, a great place to wrap up. Once again, I really do appreciate you joining me. It was a, it was a pleasure talking with you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, enjoy getting back to snowboarding very soon. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> it's right out there. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you.